Thank you for being here today to anybody who's worshiping with us online. Good morning, and we're glad that you are here as well. And um, if you are sitting in front of a beautiful fireplace right now, keep it to yourself. We don't really want to see any of that. Uh, we're just jealous. I'm just kidding. Um, we're glad that you're here today. Um, last summer, if we can rewind our memories to a whole year and a half ago... <laughs> Uh, in a life that looked so different where we like went places and saw people and had fun, right? A whole, a whole year ago, summer of 2019, my oldest son Garrett and I did what we enjoy doing whenever we have time. And that is we put together a pretty large, complicated puzzle together. One of the things as a parent that I've learned um, is we begin to see the things about ourselves that we may or may not like best. In our kids, right? I tend to be pretty obsessive when something gets in front of me, and my son shares that as well. And so when we start on a complicated puzzle, uh, next thing you know, my wife is saying, hey, you haven't bathed in three days, and you look like, um, you, like you're on um, a, an abandoned island now. Your hair's sticking up everywhere. Okay, that, the hair part's not true. But, like, man, we, we get into this. And so... Summer 2019, the, the, the puzzle that we were putting together is a Norman Rockwell painting, um, which has a lot of similar colors in them. It was, it was a pretty difficult puzzle. And so on and off, it took us a couple weeks to put it together because, again, this was 2019 when we would go do things and, and then come back home. It was crazy back then. And so we finally uh, are nearing the completion of the puzzle. And those of you, any, let me just ask, any puzzle people in the room? Okay. Okay. If you're online, you can give a thumbs up or something. So yeah. So as you're nearing the the puzzle, right, you feel that sense of momentum, right? All of a sudden it starts speeding up. You can hear the music swelling within your soul. We're nearing the end of this thing, right? And as we're getting closer to the ending, we're realizing something. And this is a picture of the finished product that is in the dead center of that puzzle. Like we turned the house upside down. We performed autopsies on the dog to see if, no, that's not true. Like we, where is this? And we never found it. That puzzle, all that time and effort finished with that horror. That's not a sermon illustration. That's real people. <laughs> like uh, this morning, I would ask you, is there anything worse than a missing piece? And the answer is yes, and that is missing peace, P-E-A-C-E. And I believe that, that we're in a, in a moment right now that hasn't taken our peace. It's revealed that our peace was in fragile things. And, and we're seeing, whew, when we look to our, our left and our right, symptoms of missing peace. And this is a little bit of a heavy way to begin, but our city made the news this week. NBC published an article this week about the city of Fort Worth that we have had over a hundred murders in 2020 in Fort Worth. Uh, the number was 102 a couple of days ago. I didn't look to see if it was a bad weekend uh, this morning, but that is uh, a dramatic increase, an over 60% increase. From this time last year, 11 months into the year, and it's the most in 25 years. I think we're missing peace with one another, right? 
By the way, there's a lot of complicated reasons for why this is true, uh, some of which is, um, quite frankly, for how hard it is to be a law enforcement officer today in 2020. Um, but we're missing peace. And it's not just peace among us or peace between us where we see things like murder. The fact is, many of you have probably heard the statistic quoted that Christmas is the time of year where there are more suicides than any other time of year. If you've ever heard that statistic before, that is repeated very, very frequently and is actually not true. Um, There is not an increase of suicides this time of year. Um, But according to research, apparently people do consider and think about ending their life more during this time of year than any other because we're not just missing peace between us. What we are seeing is many of us are missing peace within us as well. A recent poll just a couple weeks ago by the um, Kaiser Family Foundation surveyed Americans and asked this question, how many of you believe that your mental health has been negatively impacted by the pandemic for stress or worry or constraints? And Almost half, 45% of Americans said it has negatively impacted us. And then the other 50% said, what pandemic? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm perfectly fine, right? We're just lying to ourselves. Absolutely, we see that we're missing peace. And I've already shared this a couple of weeks ago that um, with all of the uh, economic constraints that we're seeing, one industry that is up dramatically in sales is alcohol sales right now. Uh, more Americans are reporting drinking in order to sleep right now than any time in record before. And what we will see at the end of 2020 is the trend will continue again this year, where the the largest category of prescription medicine, not the single drug, but the category of drugs, that will be most prescribed will be antidepressant and anti-anxiety meds. Not antibiotics or COVID meds, because I believe we're missing peace. It was almost 50 years ago, 49 years ago, that John Lennon first sang the words uh, over the airways, imagine all the people living life in peace. And the fact is, a lot of us can't imagine what would that look like. Can you really imagine what society in the world would look like if everybody was living in peace? I can't even imagine what that would be like. But I believe our creator can imagine it. I believe it's what he imagined for us. And I believe that he has moved and is moving heaven and earth to reclaim it. He's on the move to restore peace. This idea that's whispered throughout the scriptures of shalom. This idea where where he's restoring the order of the human heart. And I know last week was weird, so if you didn't follow along, we talked a little bit about Shalom, that that there's 790 verses in the Bible that talk about peace. And some have said you can categorize those verses in, in three different categories, peace with God, peace within self, and then peace with others. That is spiritual peace, emotional peace, and relational peace. But really there's a fourth category when the scripture talks about Shalom, which is All of the above. True shalom is peace with God, peace with himself, and peace with others. It's the dream. It's what we imagine. It's what we write songs about. It's true human flourishing. And it's what God is after for his people. It's what is being restored and will one day 
Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, be finally restored. That's the idea of peace that God is after. So if we feel like you're missing some peace this morning, let's grab our Bibles today. Uh, we're going to hold them up in the air and say our creed together as we do every week. And I would encourage you, even if you're uh, watching online, uh, please say this with us. This is a great declaration of faith and a great prayer of promise before we dive into God's word. So here we go. Let's say it with confidence. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Thank you so much. Please turn to Isaiah chapter 9. If you're using like a good old school paper Bible and not a digital one, it'll be almost in the middle. Isaiah chapter 9. Very familiar if you've been around the church anytime. Uh, Christmas text that wasn't intended to just be a Christmas text. This is a life prophecy about the coming Messiah. Isaiah chapter 9 is where we will be in just a second. So last week was an unusual week. COVID-19 did not take a Sunday from us, but a power outage did because it's 2020. There you go. So weird. So bizarre. Um. But last week we, we began to talk about the, the traditional Christmas text, Luke chapter 2, where the multitude of the heavenly hosts begin to declare this song in front of the, the presence of these little shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. This idea that glory to God in the highest comes first, Peace on earth comes second. The heart of what we talked about last week is that we we can praise our way to peace. That as we orient our lives around a Savior, that is how the pathway to peace begins to open and unpack in the world. Peace comes on the earth, not from the earth. It comes from glory to God in the highest. This morning we come to uh, discuss peace again from this prophecy. About 700 years before that out in the shepherds, uh, out in the field rather, the the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night. About 700 years before that night, this prophecy about that night was given. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and our focus this morning, Prince of Peace. So we don't have a prince here in the United States of America. Uh, We don't really understand royalty, most of us, unless you're from another country. We didn't grow up being exposed to how royalty works. We seem as a society to be kind of fascinated by it. Uh, when things that really are not at all important to our way of life happen with royalty, it makes headlines here. I don't know why we're so interested. God forbid Harry takes his shirt off and it's like, oh, Prince Harry was spotted. Uh, like, I don't know why we care so much, but it's like this big deal. Uh, we're kind of mesmerized by royalty. Um, I, I keep seeing a commercial right now for a Hallmark Christmas movie about a prince who falls in love with a little shopkeeper lady in a town. Like, I don't know why. Um, and some of you are like, yes, I've watched it seven times already. Um, we're just so 
interested in, in princes and, and kings and I don't know why. But because we don't know what life is like to have a prince, I think the significance of this verse is sometimes lost on us as Americans. This idea that he would be the prince of peace. And what I want to do for just a few minutes is speak into a non-princely culture about what it means when the missing piece is filled by the prince. The Prince of Peace. And we're going to look at, at kind of five ideas real quick about what this Prince of Peace language really means. And a couple of them we'll only talk about for like 60 seconds. Uh, but there's, there's two that are really the, the heart of what we're going to talk about. The first quick one I would mention is this. The Prince of Peace is a person. An actual child was actually born on an actual day in an actual place. I said that last week. I'll say that next week. P.S. I'll say that again on Christmas, uh, the 20th, the, the Sunday before Christmas as well. Because this is a time of year that I want to say again and again, our faith is not built on fantasy. It's not built on magical stories from the past. It's not built on fairy tales. Our faith is rooted in actual events. There was an actual baby born in an actual place. That baby actually healed the sick. That baby actually walked on water. And that baby actually died for the sins of the world. And that baby then raised itself from the dead. I believe that really happened. This isn't fantasy or fairy tales. In a moment that's filled with make-believe, I think it's important that we say again and again, our faith is not in a story. Our faith is in a person. Jesus of Nazareth. That's a good place to say amen. Our faith's in a person, not in a story. The Prince of Peace is a person. Quickly, and I want to park here for a minute. The Prince of Peace is born with authority. Do you know why a prince is a prince? Because he's born. He doesn't earn it. He doesn't have to prove anything. He's born with authority. This child is born as the Prince of Peace. (laughs) This excites me a lot. Here's what that means. When it comes to your peace, peace with God, peace within yourself, peace with others, here's what this means. It means he's got it. It means he's got you. It means he's on the throne. It means he can handle this. It means he's not intimidated by it. He's not like, "Uh uh-oh, we better convene a council or pass a law. The prince is born with authority. He has authority over our peace. And and we're seeing right now during the pandemic a frustrating authority vacuum of people misspeaking. Even just this week, uh, right here in Tarrant County, the CDC rolls out new regulations. But Tarrant County Health Department isn't sure what they think about them yet. And it's just like, who's in charge around here, right? Here's who's in charge. The prince of peace. I mean, it doesn't always look like it, and it sure doesn't always feel like it. And that's why we come to this text this morning to be reminded that the Prince of Peace is on the throne, and he's doing just fine. He rules and reigns. And in our world, peace comes and goes. And let's be honest, in 2020, it has left a whole lot more than it has arrived. But our Prince of Peace has a kingdom that is unshakable, and his reign will not end. The very next verse, verse 7 here in Isaiah 
chapter 9 says, of the increase, that's an important word, the, the continued maturity, advancement, the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So his peace is not just unstoppable, it's going to keep chasing after us. It's going to be a, a groundswell of messianic peace that's going to pursue his people until the consummation of all things. That's the whisper of, of hope in this passage on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. How in the world can that be possible? How can there be a peace that will advance forever? Here's why. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Here's who's after your peace. Not your spouse. Not your parents. Not your friends. The zeal of the Lord of hosts is pursuing your peace. Hallelujah. The, the amazing thing about the peace of God is is he doesn't have to win your vote. And if he doesn't get your vote, he won't demand a recount. And even if somebody tries to cheat and steal his vote, his peace can't be stopped. Don't you love how we can offend every political party in the same sentence? It's so exciting. The Prince of Peace will never lose an election. And I think the reason we become so enamored sometimes with politicians or celebrities or a father figure in our life or a boss or our retirement plan is because we're looking for somebody else to fill the throne that the prince alone has the authority to fill. He's the prince of peace. And so here's what I want to say this morning in regards to this. The things that destroy our plans... Do not dethrone our prince. This year has brought a lot of mess into our lives. A lot of our plans. I saw a meme early on in the pandemic that said, can we all admit that none of us got the answer right? Where do you see yourself in five years? Right? When we look back five years ago, none of us answered this question correctly. But what destroys our plans does not dethrone our prince. He's at work in all this for our good. And when we trust his reign and his authority, it births peace in our hearts. He's the one who's in charge. He's got this. Which means you don't have to, nor that other person that you would look to. He's the Prince of Peace. So the Prince of Peace is a person. Number two, the Prince of Peace is born with authority. The second one, or the, the third one, but the second one that we'll park on for a minute, is the Prince of Peace goes to battle on our behalf for us. The Prince goes to war, goes to battle for his people. There, there's a really interesting verse in this text that i got to be honest. I mean, I've, I've known this verse and songs about this verse for all these years, and yet I don't think I've ever paid attention to the verse before this verse. But verse number 5 here in Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation because it's a little bit easier to understand, but even then you're like, what's the point? Hang with me. In this promise of the baby coming, Isaiah writes, The boots of the warrior and the uniform blood-stained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. 
The, the, the boots that once stood on a battlefield, the fatigues that were worn in conflict, we will use for a bonfire. We don't need them anymore. Because when that child is born to us, there will be someone else who will fight our battles and make a way for peace for us. See, in, in a world that's full of conflict, in a, in a world that is full of war, there's only peace on the other side of bloodshed. He doesn't come in and usher peace in this, this fairy tale way. I, I, uh, <laughs> I can't help but think about the first Lego movie. And if you've not seen it, whether you have children or not, humble yourself and watch it. It's fantastic. It's great stuff. It's on my level. But when they go to that cuckoo land and Unikitty is like, we don't have feelings here, but happy ones. Like, I think some of us think that's what the kingdom of God is like. Like this fake fairy tale. No, listen, the Prince of Peace is like, no, no, no. I will destroy anything that seeks to harm you. He makes war for our peace. And here's the amazing thing about why the boots of the warrior can be burned. and Because the Prince goes to battle for us. It's not that there's not a battle. It's not that there's not bloodshed. In the Old Testament, there was this whole system of sacrifices. Without the shedding of blood, there cannot be remission of sin. And so we would shed the the blood of this animal, hoping that this sacrifice would make God okay with us again. And that it would be good enough to restore some form of a a relationship with God. There was this, this hope that somehow this would be good enough. And then, knowing that sin had to be finally paid for... A baby was born to us. The Prince of Peace came in going, no, I'm going to take care of this, not by shedding someone else's blood. I'm going to enter the battle and shed my own blood for the salvation of the world. That's how much I want to make peace for my people. Jesus offered himself. We looked last week at at Colossians chapter 1, but uh, I want to mention it again. Uh, Verse 19 says, for in him... In this baby in the manger, in Jesus of Nazareth, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This little baby was as much God as he was a baby. The fullness of God lived in him. That's what was in him. Verse 20, and through him, here's why he came, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That baby was born with the mission of making peace by the blood of his cross. Verse 21 of Colossians 1 says, You who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. That's what the Prince of Peace has done for us. That's the, the lengths that he would go to bring peace to the thing that was warring against our souls. And so we look at this, this peace knowing that Jesus himself was the sacrifice. And so the, the first big kind of take home idea that, that I left with you is, is this idea that what destroys our plans does not dethrone our prince. And, and the second kind of take home idea that, that I would ask to, to, that you would let take root in your heart is this. Peace is found not in a problem free Christmas. 
but in a gospel-centered Christmas. Peace is found not in a problem-free Christmas, because guess what? You're not going to have one. The reason a lot of people face depression over the holidays is because we've created expectations on them that only the next world will ever, ever fulfill. You will have a perfect Christmas one day. Just not here. We'll talk more about that next week. We set these expectations and, and we find ourselves... So our peace is not found in a problem-free Christmas. It's found in centering our hope and our heart around the fact that Jesus laid down his life and shed his blood to make a way for peace for me. That's where our peace is found. The Prince of Peace is a person. The Prince of Peace is born with authority. The Prince of Peace... Go straight into battle for what is warring against us. And here's why he does that. Number four, the Prince of Peace welcomes us into his new kingdom that he's shed all this blood to make a way for. You know, a lot of princes go to war so that they can conquer a land and build higher walls. And our king went to war so that he could tear the walls down and invite us in. That's the beauty of the gospel. He welcomes us into a new kingdom, which means we live in a world that isn't actually our home. We now live in a kingdom that is not our final dwelling place. We're now foreigners. We're now aliens. We're now visitors. We're now walking around with a passport here. This isn't our kingdom. The, the prince has invited us in this whole new thing. And, and, and the deal is, those of you who have traveled internationally, I've not traveled anywhere in the world where it was not obvious to everyone I met that I wasn't from there. They could tell by how I talked, by how I dressed, by how I looked, by how I bargained. They're like, that's not you know, like it was bad. It's really obvious that I was not from here. Does that make sense? And the fact is, I think that's what our prince kind of desires for us is that we would live in this foreign place and people would be like, you have an accent. It sounds like peace in the midst of chaos. Like you, you dress different. You seem to be wearing peace when all of us are in a dumpster fire. You just carry yourself different when things are sideways. What is it? And you're like, oh, I'm not from around here. <laughs> Amen. I belong to the Prince of Peace. Like, I, I exist in a different world from here that I can't understand. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. I don't even know, man, what's going on. The pandemic doesn't make any more sense to me than it does to you. I don't think, think, think things have been any more just or right than you do. I just believe I have a prince who's on the throne. He's invited us into a, a different kingdom. Jesus, we're going to talk a little bit about this next week, but... His final conversation with his followers before the crucifixion, he's like, I'm saying everything I've said to you for one purpose. So that in me, you'll have peace. And he warns him, he says, listen, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. In me, you'll have peace. That's what he welcomes us into this morning. Not just a, not just a, I'll go to heaven one day, but I'll live on earth as a member of the kingdom of peace. And here's the last thought I, I want to bring our attention to, and that is that the Prince of Peace is worthy of our attention this morning. When a prince walks into a room, and I know we don't get this, 
And so maybe we need to change the, the illustration to the highest paid athlete or, or the most famous celebrity or maybe a really powerful politician. When they walk into a room, they command the room. People stop talking, turn their head. Oh my goodness, is that whatever. When a prince walks into the room, there's a, a certain air that changes in the room when they're there. The attention, the eyeballs turn towards him. And I believe this language of a prince of peace has with it a weightiness that's supposed to turn our attention away from everything else to look at the authority of the prince. He's walked straight into your family. He's walked straight into your home. He's walked straight into the mess of 2020 for you. And he expects us to turn our attention. That's really the heart of what the Apostle Paul was trying to unpack to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4. He's talking about peace. He's talking about missing peace. And he talks about how the, the goal for peace that will guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ Jesus, that peace is found when we think When we set our mind on what is true and what is pure and what is holy and what is just and what is blameless. And he says, when we choose to set our mind and anchor our mind on these things, he says in Philippians 4, that the God of all peace will be with you. Like when we orient our heart and we orient our mind towards the prince, he himself becomes our peace. And by the way, that's the context in Philippians 4 that the Apostle Paul says, and so I've learned whatever situation I'm in to be content. My contentment isn't in the situation, it's the fact that the prince is in the room. The God of all peace is here. That's the context in which he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He doesn't mean the way athletes use that, if I can win the game because I can do all things through Christ. It literally means life can stink and I'll be okay. That's the all things. Literally, the, you could translate Philippians 4.13, I can even survive 2020 through Christ who strengthens me. Because when we orient our mind towards Him instead of the stuff of life, we're looking horizontally to find peace. The God of peace Himself will be with us. When a prince walks in the room, he demands a level of attention. So last week, the heart of this, this, the, the first Advent sermon here was that we would praise our way to peace. And this week the challenge is that we would preach our way to peace. And I don't mean preach at your spouse and preach at your kids, preach at your coworker, preach at your neighbor. There's an appropriate time for all that. I mean preach to our own hearts. That we would preach to our own hearts. Psst. Did you forget how very on the throne your Savior is today? Like he's not forgotten you. He's for you. You believe that. And so essentially we don't feel our way to peace. We faith our way to peace. Somebody hear that with your heart today. We don't feel our way to peace. We faith our way to peace. It's not some little light switch where we're like, oh, magically I feel better. No, this is a walk of faith, friend. My faith is what I build my life on. Even when I feel awful, I can preach to myself, God is still for you. He still made a way to tear down the wall of hostility and give me access to the throne room. That's what the peace has done through the shedding of his own blood. 
And I might not feel warm and fuzzy about stuff that didn't, that really aren't warm and fuzzy, but I believe that he's for me. That's the faith of peace. By the way, if, I believe if we preach that to our hearts enough, our emotions will get in line with our faith. It just might take a minute. We preach our way to faith, preach our way to peace. I close with, with this story. I, um, I want to share a story with you from, from Thanksgiving Day. Um, some of you have, have gotten to know the Cochran family, uh, new here to the Temple family. And all of their extended family live far away. And so um, we invited them to share the Thanksgiving meal at our home this week. And, it, and it's interesting. Hanging out with them makes me feel like I'm 110 years old. Um, I can't believe how quickly my my sons are growing up and they've got two little boys and a third little boy on the way. And so hanging out with them is almost like getting in a time machine and, and seeing their kids. But you know that to invite anyone to our, our home now, uh, those of you who've been tracking with us, you know that we have this demon possessed animal in our home now, the puppy, not my kids. <laughs> Somebody just turned around and looked at Garrett. Why when I said that? I'm just kidding. Nobody did. <laughs> that was that's me. Um, yeah, we got this puppy, and here's the thing about the puppy: she's crazy, but she's enormous. Like she truly thinks she's like this little cute little poodle, and like she weighs more than our car. You know, she's just like a tank running through our house. And so, having little kids over, she was sequestered for Thanksgiving Day. But she started whining and making a scene. And so after we'd eaten more than we ever could possibly eat and then had dessert, um, we're like, okay, we're going to let her out, right? So Marisa gets on the floor and she's trying to wrangle the monster so that she doesn't attack everybody. And the interesting thing happened after she'd been out, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. Trevor and 70's oldest son, Truett, got the courage to kind of walk over to the puppy. And the puppy had a chew toy, was looking down, chewing on the chew toy, and Reese is kind of holding her down there, whatever. So she didn't see Truett approaching her until he was like right up on her. And all of a sudden she's like, a chew toy. She jumps up at him. And when she jumps up, she's now taller than him. And she lunges at him. And he responded the way you would expect a little kid. Mother of God, you know, right? And here's the amazing thing that happened. Like in a moment, in an instant, what happened is so interesting to me. What Truett did not do is say, I think we should talk about this. Can we examine the weight difference between the two of us beings? How much taller is she than me? How good of a grip does Miss Marisa have of this animal? Like he didn't want to read a book about it. He didn't want to go to a study where we discussed puppies and children. He didn't ask anybody else their opinion of what he should do in that moment. You know what he did? He instantly and instinctively ran to the secure arms of his father. He trusted this thing is bigger than me but it's not bigger than my dad. 
And some of you are staring in the face of something that's bigger than you this morning. I hear you. I get you. Same here. I just think maybe that scary, hairy monster is an opportunity to put feet to our faith and run into the arms of our everlasting Father, believing that He is our peace in the scary times. This morning, He's already made a way to welcome you into His arms. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to say the right thing, do the right thing, or get your life all cleaned up. He's just welcoming you to recklessly run to His arms this morning. Whether you have been a believer in your Father for 50 years or 15 minutes, He's inviting you to run to His arms this morning and say, there's something bigger than me today. I need you to use your Prince authority and keep me safe. I believe that peace is as available as the next breath we breathe together.